Who's going to win the Kentucky Derby? Our expert panel will be here to help you break the race down and look smart on Saturday. The Derby's getting closer, and our handicapping the Derby is coming up next. They're in the gate. They're in the gate. In the gate. They're in the gate. It's a head-bobbing finish! This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well. Get us on the iTunes Store or TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. We've spent most of this week introducing you to the connections of these derby horses. Now there's only one thing left to do. Figure out who's going to win it. It's Handicapping the Derby, our favorite segment of the year. And to do that, we have a couple of real experts with us. Our own Chris Felica, the bear from College Game Day, is sitting alongside of me. And also joining us, Acacia Courtney, analyst at Gulfstream Park who saw quite a few of these horses pass beneath her grandstand during the winter. It's so great to have you back with us. Acacia, let's start with you. Let's take it from this standpoint. Of the horses that are highly regarded based on their class and their post position, let's eliminate who we think doesn't have a chance to win. Interesting. Uh, that was actually... So normally I don't like to do a process of elimination type thing. That's not normally how I go about handicapping, but with the race like this, that's actually exactly what I did. And it broke my heart to go away from Magnum Moon because he was a horse that I really liked when he debuted um, at Gulfstream in January there's kind of been kind of a marquee horse that the past couple of years I've noticed throughout the winter meet that have really stood out to me. And he's just a, a absolutely beautiful animal and he's undefeated. And I really did end up just going elsewhere. And, you know, he's got a little bit more of an outside post, but just the way that he's kind of finished up his last couple of races, I do have a few concerns about him. And I think he's a super talented horse and it's really hard to weed down this year's group. So I ended up steering away from magnum moon who'd you steer away from bear i think i'm going to steer away from good magic i just don't think the bluegrass was a very good race the the juvenile last year was fantastic but i think he got the benefit of the, the perfect trip in that race uh his return uh, that acacia saw down at gulfstream the fountain of youth was was really flat he improved in the bluegrass but again i i just don't know how good that race was and i, and I would tend to think that there are a few better horses in here uh, as opposed to what he faced in Lexington. So regrettably good magic was a, was the one that went towards eliminating. And I'm going away from Mendelssohn. And I really don't want to. Mm-hmm. He's the second choice. And unlike most of the European horses that have come over here to try this, this horse belongs. He's a dirt horse. He's an American bred by Scat Daddy. But I just can't get past the hubris of this massive Operation Coolmore, and I can't think of another word for it, but hubris trying to bring this horse in the week of the race and win it. It just is too physical a race to do it. it, it I, I'm with you. I, I, I could have said him as well. I had a feeling you were going to go there, but I'm of the mindset with, with Mendelssohn. Until one of these UAE Derby winners, one of the zeros, come over here and run well, finish better than sixth, uh, they're, they're a stand against for me as well. 
Now, here's the thing, Acacia. All right, with Mendelssohn, I don't want to belabor the point because we're going to be talking about horses we think are going to actually win this race. <laughs> but couldn't they have brought this horse? Like, you know that in Europe, horses don't live at the track. They live on the trainer's property at their mm-hmm. house, basically. Could they have not brought this horse to Ashford Stud in Kentucky where some little pony named American Pharaoh is based <laughs> and just kept him there? Would that not have worked? Well, I really wish that he had some time over the track, that he had a chance to really get acclimated a bit more. And even before the Breeders' Cup, you were able to kind of see his antics. He's very vocal in the morning. He's very loud. He's very studdish. And you know that he's there because you will hear him from a mile away. And that's just some of his his typical. And his UAE Derby was unreal. It was absolutely unbelievably impressive. Now, the thing with him is, I agree, I would have liked to see him get settled in Kentucky a little bit more. In general, I like to see that from horses, especially being based in Florida. And with the weather situation, I like to see them get settled. And I think it's just like anything, the more comfortable you are with where you're going to be competing at such a high level, the more it's just going to kind of be on autopilot. Not to mention, he did draw post 14. And I was fascinated by this. There's only actually ever been two winners from post 14 and not that the post positions are everything but the last winner was carry back who was in 61 so it's been a long time since we've seen success and he's going to be right in that area where there's often a lot of bumping because of the position of the auxiliary gate now speaking of that that we have to get into trips because that's really what makes this race more than anything else you think bear that justify going from the seven might get caught in traffic, but then the part of me says Mike Smith's going to get him three wide clear and he's going to have it all his own way. <laughs> I mean, you, you heard Bob Baffert talk about how he would have preferred to be further outside, but the way I see the race on paper, he has speed to his immediate inside with flame away and promises to fulfill two horses that if they don't go to the front, they're essentially there for the, for the party just to have their ownership content connections just there for the experience, but <laughs> they're committed front runners. <laughs> On the outside of him, you have Lone Sailor, Hoffberg, and My My Bo Jack, who are all dedicated closers. I I don't think he's going to have a ton of problem coming out of the gate, and and I would think he should be sitting third or fourth around that that first term in a great position. Does he get beat if that happens, Acacia? You know, Justify is a big head-scratcher for me. I do think he's a little bit vulnerable. He's been incredibly consistent, incredibly impressive in his three starts so far. And even just looking at his buyer speed figures, it's like you look down on paper and you're kind of like, well, who else do you pick? But then it raises the question, how is he going to step up to this level of competition? I do think that Bolt Doro put on a very good show last time. And I think Bolt Doro is one that's going to be completely overlooked because he was beaten by Justify last time out. He's got a ton of raw talent, but he still has some things to prove in my estimation. And honestly, Trip is going to be, I think, Besides the seasoning, the biggest hurdle of what he's going to have to face. Yeah, he'll be facing 19 horses in this race. He's mm-hmm. faced, what, 14 in his first three races combined, so much mm-hmm. bigger. And, and, and you're right about Baltoro. I, I think he is going to be an overlooked horse. I think a lot of people are overreacting to the fact that Javier Castellano chose to ride Audible over Baltoro, but with people just need to understand that Javier Castellano gets nearly all of his business from Todd Pletcher and mm-hmm. then Chad Brown. So, of course, he's going to choose to ride for Todd. And if you look at Javier's derby record, those decisions necessarily haven't been the best for him. Well, I hope they overlook both Dioro because that's who I think wins the race. <laughs> I like him quite a bit in there, actually. I, I really like him. I used him in my top three. 
But here's the question for you, Bear, all right? The first race Boltioro had this year, of course, was the hard-knocking San Felipe. McKinsey is the new leader. Castellano hooks Boltoro into the clear and he's ranging forward with great purpose at the top of the stretch and Boltoro moves up alongside of McKinsey and they're racing tightly they were brushing in up a stretch. McKinsey fights back underneath Boltoro the San Felipe living up to its billing. A 16th left to go McKinsey on the inside and Boltoro in a spine tingling spectacle at the great race place Boltoro, McKinsey they hit the line. McKinsey beats Baltoro in a photo. The stewards have disqualified McKenzie. The top two placings are reversed, and number one, Baltoro, earns the San Felipe Stakes victory via DQ. Now, that's his first start off a layoff, and it was a real knockdown, drag out battle. He you could argue bounced off that race, finishing second to justify. But is that one of those races that's almost like Ollie Frazier three, the thrill in Manila, where you're never the same after something like that? Seriously, is he not going to ever be the same after that? Well, it, it could be, and I, I think it's really important to see how he, he traveled to Louisville and how he has gotten over the track. I read a couple of things uh, this morning where some people thought he was a little erratic and, and maybe not the same. But but it, but it would be kind of interesting where. Remember back in 1998, Indian Charlie had gotten the better of the Triple Crown circuit, beating up real quiet along the way. Real quiet won the Derby. 2003, Empire Maker got the best of Funny Side all along. Come Derby Day, Funny Side winds up wearing the roses in a race like this where last time out, Justify had the pace all to himself. He had got away with very easy lead and there was no one to really soften him up. In a race like this, maybe Baltaro does get uh, a little bit better of a trip, but I, I would, uh, I would definitely always encourage people to look at the workout, to read the reports, and see how horses get over Churchill because it's so important. Now, Acacia, we, Chris started to talk about pace a little bit with, mm-hmm. you know, the inside speed, but how fast a pace do you think they'll be and how many other horses besides the two on the inside are going to contest that pace? I kind of wonder what Firenze Fire is going to do from the inside because he's been coming from the back of the pack in his last couple of races. But if you look back at the short comment in the Gotham about how keen he was, he wanted to be more forwardly placed. And he's got Paco Lopez aboard, who's a very aggressive rider out of the gate. And he's got that inside post, which is, I think it's a, it's a very detrimental spot for him to be in, obviously. So I wonder if he kind of has to send or at least be in that first flight early on. Looking towards the outside, obviously we know promises fulfilled and flame away, as Chris mentioned. They, they've got to go. They have no choice. That's just their running style. But looking towards the outside, Magnum Moon's not slow either. And I really think Noble Indy's got some speed too. He's going to be hindered by being all the way to the outside in 19. He's also a little guy. I don't think he, he even gets over. He is a over. little horse. I saw him in his second start um, at Gulfstream running against Mississippi, who is also very small. And uh, unfortunately, after that, I, I think that he's one that's been kind of looked at as maybe a lifelong shot. I've completely passed on him, even with the post position. I think he's just going to be completely hung out to dry, trying to get out, get away from that far outside post. So are we thinking there are going to be maybe three horses, potentially four, if Mendelssohn can work out mm-hmm. a trip that are going to contest this pace? Now, we don't know how the track is playing on mm-hmm. the day of the race, but does this set up for a mid-pack horse or a closer, or do you think it's going to be a, a pace presser, Chris? Uh, 
It's interesting because in this recent run of favorites, uh, Orb was really the only closer in the race that, that, that has won. And that was in the rain. Yeah, and that was in the rain on a sloppy track. Uh, we, we, we've seen a, it's been a very early press type running style have been the horses that have, that's been favoring. So, uh, I'm curious to see who goes. I would tend to be uh, inclined that it's going to be another press and not a, not a, not a closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will win because I think what we've had uh, w- with the Derby Point system is a lot of the cheap speed taken out and a lot more of the speed uh, is able to stay longer. And I also read something uh, this week which caused me to, to pause and think a little bit too. Someone else uh, in, in terms of the recent run of favorites uh, brought up maybe the fact that so many of these poly tracks and synthetic surfaces are being phased out that uh, prior to this recent run, maybe we got some horses that didn't necessarily belong in the race, took a little bit of money, and that kind of skewed the board a little bit and created some better payouts. So I don't. I, I think there'll be some closers that hit the board potentially, like looking at Lee did last year. But uh, I, I think someone coming from way back uh, will still be at a disadvantage mm-hmm. this year. Well, if you're looking at a pace presser, it sounds like you're saying justify. <laughs> he's going to be hard to be. I mean, I, I, I believe me, anyone who knows me knows that I am not the person who is going to land on a favorite and say, no, this. <laughs> in a 20 horse field, one of the Vegas sports books that said you can lock him in at nine to two or whatever it was. And I said, that's a great price. He's going to be five to two, three to one on Saturday at the most, but I just can't in good conscience bet a horse at nine to two in a 20 horse mm-hmm. field to win. So let's see what Acacia thinks <laughs> is going to be the final outcome. Well, I like a pace presser too, and I'm going with Audible. It's been a lot of back and forth. Just to kind of tack on what Chris is saying about the deep closers, I think my boy Jack, who's a big closer, has the ability to potentially pick up some pieces. He's one I might use underneath as well as Hofberg. Those are two horses I'm really intrigued by, and I think Hofberg's kind of the wise guy horse that a lot of people might be looking at because this is just such a unbill mocked tactic for him to be taking and he's got a ton of talent but audible is going to be my top pick and obviously i got to see him in the holy bowl in the florida derby and there were so many questions about him heading into the florida derby because he's just not a flashy workhorse and sometimes he was working with vino rosso who is a flashy workhorse and i think that it's very interesting how todd's kept all of his derby horses separate along the path and getting four of them into the starting gate is an accomplishment in itself. But I think Audible is is going to be peaking at the right time. I'm not concerned with the fact that he just trained up to the Florida Derby because the day after the Holy Bowl, he told me that was going to be his plan. He does these kinds of things all the time. And I think it's going to be a good time frame for him to come into the Derby, to sit that good trip, to kind of press, be up close. And uh, maybe, maybe there is going to be a little bit of something lucky in him being in post number five, which has just been absolutely the most fruitful post, including always streaming last year. Well, you don't have to sell me because I narrate audiobooks and several of them are <laughs> available on Audible. They make lovely <laughs> gifts, by the way. What do you think, Chris? Who wins the race? I just said I can't bet Justify to win in nine to two or five. I, I think he will win. It doesn't mean I can bet him, but but I do think Justify will win. If I'm looking uh, a little bit deeper for some price horses to potentially win, or a little bit more of a price, I think Baldoro is, is a horse that how he looks in the track. If he, if he's looking good, uh, I, I think he is a use. Vino Rosso is a horse that I know some people. Vino Rosso, I should say. I don't want Larry Colmus getting mad at yes, me for mispronouncing get you. Uh, a horse's name. <laughs> Boldoro, not Boldoro. Larry tweeted it's that like too. Boldoro. 
Larry's, Larry's the authority when it comes to all of that and a very good friend. So we, 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 we kid, we care, we kid cause we care. I mean, Bolt Doro finishing second in the Santa Anita Derby, the rating he got for that, that would have won every other race. Yes. So, uh, but uh, the way I'm going to attack the race is use a lot of the logical horses on top, but I'm going to, I'm going to try and hit the board, uh, underneath when the, uh, in the exactors and the trifectas with, with three long shots. I'm going to use, I'm going to use combatant. I think he reminds me. A, I, I was just going to say I, combatant. I think he reminds me a lot of looking at Lee, a lot of creator, a, a lot of horses like that. Golden soul. A horse that gets better <laughs> with more distance. Uh, he's a horse that's going to be coming from the clouds. I think he can get up and get a piece. I think if you look at Lone Sailor, his race in Louisiana, I think a lot of people were, surprised that he didn't get by uh, Noble Indy in that race, but I think Tom Amos has had him pointed towards this race for the connections. It's a good story to be there, and, and I think he can come from off the pace, and, and I agree with, with you, Acacia, as well. My boy Jack is, I mm-hmm. think, is a horse that fits the profile of one of those price horses that uh, can get underneath for second, third, or fourth. Oh, I could do this all day. Thank you so much, Chris Felica and Acacia Courtney. The curse of the Bambino hung over the Boston Red Sox, who sold Babe Ruth to the Yanks in 1918. For 86 years, the Red Sox suffered devastating near misses. Then in 2004, they finally wiped the slate clean. The Chicago Cubs had not won the World Series since 1908. Then during World War II, a disgruntled fan who couldn't bring his billy goat into the ballpark cursed the Cubs. And only two years ago did they end the title ban. One old curse that still remains is from 1925 when the Pottsville Maroons won the NFL championship. But the win was taken away and given to the then Chicago Cardinals. But from then on, the cards have been an NFL blip. Now the curse that's lasted longer than any of the ones we've mentioned is the curse of Apollo from 1882. Since then, no derby winner has failed to race as a two-year-old. Is it something Magna Moon or Justify can do? You can get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well. Get us on the iTunes Store or TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And you can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. Remember to join us after the Kentucky Derby. We'll have a recap and look ahead to the Preakness. But for now, that's In the Gate. I'm Barry Abrams. Enjoy the Kentucky Derby.